support for WMNF comes from listeners like you in the Florida Public Radio Emergency Network. Hurricanes, lightning, flooding, and tornadoes affect the entire state of Florida. The team of meteorologists from the Florida Public Radio Emergency Network keep you informed around the clock. All year long, they're committed to providing in-depth weather coverage, both over the radio and on the mobile app Florida Storms. The Florida Public Radio Emergency Network is supported by Citizens Property Insurance. Online at citizensfla.com. go here we go good morning everybody it's black friday it's friday the end of another week and of course this is happy thanksgiving plus one as it were happy thanksgiving plus one i'm just now getting to the point where i can breathe easily without suffering the indignation of all the food that we ate yesterday what was that all about you're listening to down and dirty this is wmnf 88.5 88.5 Tampa WMNF.org. My name is Mario Nunez, and I'd like to welcome everybody out there listening. Today, helping me in the studio is my dear, dear buddy. He's been on the show before. We, we've, we've been around each other and in each, in each other's orbit for many, many years, much more than a decade. Say hello to Joe King Carter. Joe, good morning. Good morning, Mario. It's a great pleasure to be here in the hallowed halls of WMNF in this rarefied air. It's always a lot of fun to be in studio with you, Joe. Absolutely. And, and, and they can find us at 88.5 on that far left end of the dial. Is that not correct? That is. At the far <clears throat> left end, that's left with a capital L. boy. So <laughs> this morning, this morning we've got a lot to talk about. But I think what we'll, we'll, we'll just share with everybody at the outset, we'll, we'll cover a couple of different topics. But um, certainly we want to do a deeper dive. You know, this, this past week we... We actually celebrated an inauspicious uh, anniversary, if you will, and one that I think set our country on on wrong footing. Uh, And and we want to talk a little bit about, as we honor the memory of uh, John Fitzgerald Kennedy, um, our 34th president, if I'm not mistaken, and the youngest president ever elected to that office. And, you know, they've been running a special uh, documentary on the History Channel this week. Uh, in, in the lead up to the 60th anniversary of that assassination, and it was quite an enlightenment. I, you know, I knew a lot of stuff about this, but there were some things that I learned there that were uh, incredulous, incredulous when you realize yes. the difficulties that he had, even though he had a privileged life. We all know about that, but he also had a very difficult life uh, as it related to his personal health. But, Joe, how was your Thanksgiving? Oh, my Thanksgiving was wonderful, relaxed, and I was, uh, I spent the day, as I do actually every day, in deep gratitude for being here in this dimension. And by the way, you mentioned Black Friday. It's always been interesting to me that we spend a day giving thanks for all of the great gifts we have in life, including our material gifts. And then the next day, we go into large buildings where we trample other people trying to buy gifts. It's just a weird kind of situation. It's a gift-buying it? orgy. But then at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, you, what you do have is um, now the, the, uh, the, the webs, the interwebs yes. uh, online is encroaching 
on that. And I think, you know, people are starting to get it maybe because of the safety factor. We saw the videos. Mm-hmm. It's been a decade or more when, you know, the target would open at eight o'clock in the morning or five o'clock in the morning. And you have this onslaught of people running into to get, uh, you know, that, fam- well, that yeah, favorite doll. You can thank Jeff Bezos baby. for that. Yes. I mean, absolutely. Amazon has uh, had its impact on the brick and mortar uh, stores throughout America. So. And and Black Friday, <clears throat> as it relates to, I guess, being in the black. But, you know, it's, it's, it's curious because it used to be where, it, you know, it would be the next day. The next day would be Black Friday, right? And, and the stores would open at the normal hours. Mm-hmm. And then they started to inch that time period up to, like, instead of 8 or 10 a.m., Target would open at 5. Mm-hmm. And then it would open at midnight, Mm-hmm. And then, you know, just five minutes after People you... People f- are camping out. No, of course, of yes, course. And, and then five minutes after you eat your turkey now, you can just go, <laughs> go ahead, just yeah. go to the store. And, Let and, me go buy something, please. And Black Friday has actually been going on for a few days now. Yes. Because they've been doing these Black Friday sales yes. in the lead up to. So what does that tell us about our consumer economy? Oh, our cons- consumer economy is our is our consumer religion. I mm. mean, it's uh, it's the basis of our uh, existence uh, uh, one of my southern uncles used to say, uh, uh, Joe, the reason uh, it says in God we trust on a dollar bill is because the dollar bill is God. Uh, so, you know, that's kind of... <laughs> and that was Uncle... <laughs> oh, that was my Uncle Vern. Vern? Yes, he was, a, boy. He was a, a sophist of, uh, with, with great wisdoms to pass down. But, uh, yeah, you know, we, uh, this entire society is based on consumerism. And, and, of course, these large stores, or any store for that matter... It's to their advantage to create a frenzy. Let's put tension on it. The reason you have a queue line outside of a nightclub, you, there's room for people to go in. The queue line is a way of saying to the world, oh, this is special. You need to get in here. So uh, That velvet rope? That, that's it, exactly. So, yeah, they're, they're encouraging this kind of frenzy. And it is uh, sad that at times people have actually been hurt. Uh, that's, that's really remarkable. And I, I always wondered too, and, and nobody's been able to explain this to me. But you know that that chart that you always see in the uh, in the meeting room with the CEO and all the subordinates in the room, and they're talking about the profit and loss, and and that chart always shows that graph. That line is always going from from the southwest to the northeast. You know, mm-hmm. if, you know if you can visualize that. I know we're doing radio this morning. You can visualize that. It's always going up mm-hmm. and 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 towards the the upper right corner of the graph. I'm I'm thinking to myself, you know. Can't that can't that graph just level off like every two <laughs> years? Level off for a year so that people have a chance to catch up. Yes, but 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 that doesn't happen. We just have to keep driving that and driving that, and that's why people are falling further and further behind, and and ultimately becoming more and more hopeless. Right? Yeah, should absolutely. We, should we give people the phone number in case they want to queue up and talking about speaking about queues? Go right here. It's, it's the important time to queue up so you can get in the conversation with us this morning. If you'd like to call us, the number is eight one three. Two three nine nine six six three. Always, our emails are available, open, and we'll be reading those as they come in. DJ at wmnf.org, and you can text us if you'd like to do that as well. It comes into the same vehicle as the as the email, and I'll read those also. Eight one three four three three zero eight eight five. Joe. Where were you? I like to refer to you as King. I think that sounds sexy. King, <laughs> King, where were you uh, November 22nd, 1963? Uh, I was in uh, my uh, uh, fifth grade uh, classroom. Uh, yes, now I've dated myself. Of course. Uh, I was nine years old. Um, and 
what I think is significant for me personally that I can shed a little light on is that uh, I grew up in a situation where, uh, not to go into the traumatized life of my childhood, but my the man that I took to be my father wasn't, but he was a man, an elderly man in a wheelchair. And I did not have the kind of classic father figure that many boys had. And so uh, I think in my uh, some form to grab that, to have some kind of a positive role model for a male, because, you know, little boys are looking at men trying to figure out how am I going to be that. And um, my mother was uh, this awesome, wonderful person who was incredibly supportive of me. But uh, And she was teaching me about love and compassion and morality and lots of things. But you still want to figure out what it means to be a man. And so I would look at men throughout the environment around me, and I didn't have that many great role models. And in fact, I used to uh, watch TV and, uh, you know, at some point, um, Andy Taylor and uh, Perry Mason and uh, Captain James T. Kirk. These were all people that were sort of male role models. But the big daddy of them all was uh, President John F. Kennedy. He was uh, a great role model for a boy. He was handsome. He was young. Uh, he was incredibly intelligent. Uh, every time he spoke, there were these Regardless of whether he wrote it or his 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 uh, uh, political writers wrote it, he was just imparting these jewels of wisdom, and uh, and he had this uh, beautiful, intelligent uh, young wife, and he had a young family. In fact, his own children were uh, Caroline and I, about the same age, and um, so he was kind of a, a father figure. And uh, I think what happened was that when he died, I was devastated. Uh, I took it. Uh, in a way, personally, I didn't really understand exactly what presidents do at nine. Uh, exactly. I sort of had some sense of it. But what I remember about that most importantly was these two things. I was very crushed by it. But what I also remember was the first time in my life where almost every adult in my world was crying. Uh, I remember coming home that afternoon. I remember my uh, mother coming to pick me up early because we left early because of the assassination. And, um, Every human that I encountered was crying. Every man, men were crying. You don't see men crying in my childhood that much. And in the early 60s, that was really a departure from the norm because that was, you know, stiff upper lip still. That was, you know, uh, los machos no lloran, as my grandfather would have told me in Spanish, meaning boys don't cry or men right. don't cry. Right. And men didn't hug back then either. It was yeah. just not a thing. So when you saw the adults crying, it was rather devastating. Oh, absolutely. So what it was telling me was that this event was an event that went far beyond my own personal sphere, that this was a major event in our culture. So let's, let's, let's dig, dig a little deeper right there as you brought up uh, <clears throat> the, the fact that it emotionally shocked this nation to its core. <clears throat> let's talk about the fact that, um, and, and it was everybody, this was across the board. That was a moment in time where everything was ahead of us and everything was possible. You know, we had, we had come through World War II World War One. Before that, it was horrible. I think because of JFK's experience on PT one hundred and nine and all of the horrific things he saw during battle, he realized: listen, but war is not an option here. We don't need to be doing that. We need to construct our society based on on peace, mutual respect, love. The things that he was doing in the civil rights movement early on, he had a lot of things going on. And and in the first, he only was he was president for a thousand days. We know this is historical fact. There Correct. was so much happening in those thousand days. Correct. We can we can chronicleize we can chronicle them one by one. But um, tell me a little bit, Joe, about 
let's let's use the C word here. And for those of you that fell off your couch just now, no, I'm not going to say that C word. This is public radio for crying out loud. I'm talking about conspiracy. Yes. And, and, and after his assassination in Dallas, of course, there, Dealey Plaza, all that that wrought. Well, yeah, you know, of course, uh, that's um, I'm hoping today that we can maybe do something a little different because that has that is a, a, a meme that has been. Uh, you think it's played out, Joe? No, I don't think it's played out at all. I it's think we, it needs being to be revisited. Discussed. Right, it's being revisited. I think it needs to be discussed in a very meaningful way. But obviously what's happened since uh, uh, President Kennedy's death, there has been an entire industry that has grown out of the conspiracy theories. That I can't even count the number of books that exist. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, he, he represented a bright light to our country. Uh, now... I don't have hero worship. Uh, I see all humans as flawed, myself included. And uh, I think all people are capable, basically, of good and bad. And so uh, did John Kennedy do things that I didn't agree with politically? Absolutely. And, of course, now, unfortunately, we have, to, we have this desire to delve into his complete personal life and talk about all of that. But, uh, but you know, he was, he was uh, shining a, a bright light for our country. Uh, he was uh, raising wage. He was uh, stabilizing the economy. He was uh, uh, he created uh, uh, largely the Peace Corps, uh, a fantastic idea of going to around the country. Unlike uh, agencies of government like the CIA, who are uh, kind of tinkering in things they shouldn't tinker in, he wanted to just uh, you know you sign up for the Peace Corps and you just go someplace and help people. What a what a fantastic idea. Um, he was, uh, and most significantly, he uh, engaged us in the, sp- the race for space. Now, that race was going to happen anyway because we were uh, competitive with the Russians during the Cold War. And, of course, we were, they got Sputnik up and we had, we had our little panic attack. But the truth really is that those great speeches that he made saying that within a decade we're going to go to the moon, that was a moment in time, as I certainly remember it, where our nation was far more unified than it is today. I mean, far more. Uh, uh, it didn't matter if you were a Democrat or a Republican. You wanted to go to the moon. You wanted to be American. Yeah. It was proudful to be. It, it was, was a prideful. proud moment. Yeah, it was prideful so, to be American. Uh, what I'm saying is that I think the JFK uh, experience and uh, administration, uh, unfortunately, uh, did not have enough time. He was, um, he was taken away from us uh, before he had the chance to really enact many of these things. And, uh, so, you know, so it's sad that, number one, that he, of course, was so horribly uh, assassinated. Sad that he didn't finish his term. Sad that he didn't get a second term. Was he beloved by everyone? No, of course, he had many critics, and that is part of the basis of many of these conspiracy theories who uh, who hated him and who didn't want him in power. Um, but uh, really, to be honest, in the course of history, uh, JFK's administration led into led us toward uh, the 60s and 70s in a way uh, in a in a kind of a term of enlightenment, in which by 1980 those on the far right said no 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 we can't have this yeah we're not having this we're not having this we're not going to have uh, these kinds of relationships uh, with uh, with the racial uh, movements in America or the uh, gender movements and the sexuality uh, no we're not going to have this and so we get Ronald Reagan. And so from 1980 forward, we have been dealing with that 
situation. But prior to 1980, uh, much of the uh, post-war environment was a really amazing time for America. And by the way, John Kennedy was slow to come to uh, the issues of civil rights, uh, but he did. And although uh, LBJ gets credit for passing the 64 Civil Rights Act, we have to remember that Kennedy is killed in 63, which means that he had already been working on this project. I think that his his early childhood, which at two years old, he contracted scarlet fever. He was a sickly child. He had a back that was damaged from his earliest days. He should have died in, in an experience that he uh, on the open water uh, where his PT-109 boat was severed in two by a Japanese destroyer. Yes. Uh, the, the things that he went through just to survive to become president are astonishing. And then, of course, we know what happened. He met his demise in Dallas. I think that it also led him to being, even though he was from that privilege that we speak of, um, because the Depression probably didn't touch him like it touched most everybody. But he was, he became empathetic. He became part of his charm and part of his charisma. Uh, that was natural. That was natural for him. Mm-hmm. He knew his older brother Joseph was the, the golden child in the family. So he was playing second fiddle the whole time. When he lost his brother, something happened to him transformative. When he went to war and he realized the, the horrors of war, he came back a changed person. And I think that... If he had been allowed to to live and and if maybe Jackie could have just pulled him down so that that second shot wouldn't have taken off the top of his head, mm-hmm. maybe he could have survived it because he was shot in the throat the first shot mm-hmm. and and we could have still been on that footing towards it might not have been Camelot, but it sure as hell wouldn't have been what it is today yes I think that uh, we, we, you know, and why is it, Joe? Why is it that we have to wait? Se- why did they seal the documents after 70? We have to wait 75 years, which now means we have to wait 15 more years, y'all. Well, so now you want to you want to go a little bit into cons- conspiracy stuff, I think. That's the C yeah, word we're talking word, about that's today. That's the C word. Yeah, conspiracy. Uh, yeah, conspiracy. So let me just say this about that. Uh, what we've done is that there has been a, a, a great... Um, a movement to manage uh, conspiracy theories into the realm of uh, the marginal joke. Um, and so that if you are uh, uh, someone who subscribes to any kind of a conspiracy, you are basically a, a tinfoil hat-wearing uh, nut job. Yeah, cool. Now, l- let me just say very quickly that uh, whenever two or more people, you can look at various definitions in, in various uh, dictionaries, but when two or more people come together to enact a secret agenda that will have an impact that is in some way uh, affecting, uh, if you will, laws, that's a conspiracy. Uh, It doesn't have to be legal laws. It could be the laws of morality. It could be the laws of ethics. It could be those kinds of laws too. So in a technical sense, when the tobacco industry uh, decided that they were going to up the nicotine level in cigarettes in order to make people more addicted... They knew what they were doing. They didn't tell anybody. That was a conspiracy. That was a conspiracy that happened in the boardrooms of tobacco companies. Uh, the same thing happened uh, later when they knew they knew in advance from studies that it was going. It was tied to cancer, possibly tied to cancer. They're not going to publish that. In that sense, conspiracies are happening around you all day, every day. Uh, every time a marketing firm gets together and promotes something, if they are promoting it from an angle that is not 
fully objective, and it's never going to be, then it is going to be a conspiracy. So it's unfortunate that the word conspiracy is like is one of these words. I think that's like the word loyalty. What does we sort of know? We know when somebody's being loyal, but. It's a very vague kind of word. How do I judge your loyalty toward me? Uh, words like love and honor and respect. These are all words that have values that are uh, subjective. And so I, I see conspiracy that way. So just because, uh, uh, you know, there's this great line. Uh, um, uh, uh, let me see if paranoid. Uh, if I'm paranoid, that doesn't mean people aren't out after me. So it's kind of like that. I mean, you have to accept the fact that there are, in fact, uh, certain kinds of conspiracies. Now, having said that, uh, let me just one more time go back to my childhood, is that um, I'm currently working under two names, Joe Howden and Joe King Carter. And the reason for that is, uh, and I don't want to go into this in any great length, but I was lied to through my childhood uh, the man that I was told was my father was not. And the entire, there was an entire group of people who were invested in that lie. They were doing so to protect themselves, but they were doing so to protect me. And now as a much older person, I have much more compassion for their position. In the last two years, I uh, united with my biological family. And this is why I have Joe King Carter as a name when my legal name is Joe Howden. But I am changing my name legally to Joe King Carter. Now, having said that, by the time I was 16, I'd figured out I'd been lied to. But I knew that if I tried to confront them with that, um, there would be problems. What is my point? It is that I lived in a conspiracy. I grew up in the middle of a conspiracy. And I knew I was being lied to, and I couldn't prove it. Fortunately, 23andMe came along in the last few years, and I was able to say, see, this is what I already knew. So... Um, so, you know, conspiracies are interesting things, but I think that uh, today uh, this poll showed that more than 70, between 70 and 80 percent of Americans do not believe that uh, Lee Harvey Oswald uh, was the lone gunman. Allow me the opportunity. We just <clears throat> received an email. It says, in general media outlets, it says, in general media outlets are dismissive of conspiracy theories. But from observing much media, it appears that the JFK assassination is one of the most widely accepted conspiracy theories. I have seen claims that about 60% of Americans, to your point, Joe, of Americans believe it was a conspiracy. Do you think we'll ever become, uh, it'll be, ever become official record that JFK was not killed just by Lee Harvey Oswald? That's from Jeff. Thank you for your email. And I can read. It's just that I'm a little far away from the email. And if you know the layout of the studio, I've got to turn one way to, to yeah. read the emails and another to address my guest. But I think You're I think doing a good job. Thank sir. you, sir. I think the consensus I think the consensus is logic would prevail that one man probably could not have acted alone. Well, let me let me point to two factors, if I may, very quickly. Uh, so I had this uh, trauma as a childhood dealing with uh, JFK's death. That's, I'm nine years old. By the time I was 13 or 14, I was much more uh, uh, c uh, cerebrally uh, alive. You're aware. You were and aware. I was aware. Yeah. And, I, and I, looking back, I thought, so Lee Harvey Oswald uh, is kind of scrawny little character who doesn't really look like a very imposing guy um, who is uh, taken, who's arrested and the only real words we get out of him publicly is that he says, I'm a patsy. Mm -hmm. uh, then uh, he is killed. How ironic in a twist of fate. One day later in the basement of On the live police television. department of Dallas, surrounded by police. Uh, 
And the man who shoots him is a man named Jack Ruby. Well, I thought that that was really an odd coincidence. And so uh, the public, um, the public uh, face of that moment was that uh, Jack Ruby was supposed to be a patriot who was so distraught and did not want Jackie Kennedy to go through the uh, pain of a trial that uh, he killed Oswald. Uh, then when he goes to court, his attorney says that he had epilepsy and that epilepsy was the reason that he uh, killed uh, uh, Oswald. Of course, as we know, everybody knows uh, epileptics are killing people every day all yes, over the country. I yeah. think there's I a mean, statistic is, for that this is somewhere. A ridiculous, yeah, this is a ridiculous uh, position. Assertion, yeah. Uh, right. Uh, so um, I started to look into that. And, of course, um, Jack Ruby's real name was Jacob Rubenstein. Mm -hmm. And he grew up in Chicago and was involved with uh, crime and mobs in Chicago early on. And then, uh, basically, the uh, family sent him to Dallas, Texas to be their operative there. And so he was uh, no, nothing any less than a mobster who owned a famous uh, strip club in Dallas, where many of the police, by the way, frequented. So, um, so this is an, this kind of gives you the feeling right there that you're seeing that something is not right here. You know, there is something very wrong here. That's number one. Number two, you pointed, you touched on this earlier. If if Jack Kennedy was really killed by a, a crazy lone gunman by himself, why are all these records sealed? And why do they have to remain sealed? And by the way, when they, when they do a dump of records, which they did in 2019, mm -hmm. they're highly didacted. Uh, nothing is revealed. Uh, and uh, there are records, uh, the Kennedy records, um, that are set to be revealed as far away as 2035. This is obviously uh, something about people being protected. They're waiting for everybody who might have been associated with this to, have, to, to be part of history, as it were. Correct. And, and then they're going to reveal or expose or just let us have the rest of the documents. Right. And will we be able to do anything about it at that point? Probably not, but we can at least set the record straight. And it's going to be a big reveal for this country, which, you know, we've had emails this morning. Please talk about Palestine because of what's going on in the Middle East. Um, and, you know, we, we, we know that this country has its own set of circumstances by choice that have led us down this path. I kind of, I, I, I tend to think that uh, karma is a big deal in, in, in my world, Joe. Rather than, rather than more deep, deeply religious-rooted thinking, I, I just kind of believe, look, good people, you know, bad, bad things happen to good people, but not necessarily frequently. Because right. you're, if, you're, if you're a vessel for good, you know, you're not going to be putting yourself in positions where bad is going to be around. So that said, right. the three things that I think quickly, uh, in, historically in the United States that that may have led us down this path, uh, the, the gentrification of the original indigenous natives of this land when the settlers came from, from Europe, they continued to push them west until they pushed them completely out. Colonization. Colonization. If they didn't want to go, they killed them, and that's how that was. Right. The enslavement of the uh, African uh, uh, man, woman, and child, uh, 400 years worth of enslavement, that, that's never been resolved, and it's never been good for us, the proverbial... Uh, black, black eye and, and sore spot. And then, of course, in 63, the annihilation, the assassination of, of, of a leader that arguably was going to probably attempt to make good on 
some of those that I just mentioned? Yes. Hey, if you're just joining us now, we got to give this disclaimer. If you're just joining us, it's it's uh, halfway through the show. Um, you're listening to WMNF Radio, Community Radio, here in Tampa, Florida. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, the number is... 813-239-9663. You can email dj at wmnf.org. You can text us at 813-433-0885. We'll be here through the top of the hour. And today we're talking with Joe King Carter. My name is Mario Nunez, and we're talking a little bit about John Fitzgerald Kennedy um, and, and the assassination and all of that. So if, you, if you're interested in that, if you have a comment about it, you know, he was here, Joe. He was here in Tampa mm-hmm. two days before his assassination. Absolutely, yeah. Which, you know, if, and the rumor was, it comes rumors, and the conspiracy rumors was that they had three opportunities to get him. They were going to try to get him in Chicago. They didn't have the shot. They didn't have the opportunity. They were going to try to get him here in Tampa, and they didn't have the opportunity, but they certainly succeeded in Dallas. Can you imagine, Joe, for just a minute, if they had succeeded here in Tampa, what an incredible, you know, because we think of Dallas, the further you get away from 63, the less this is uh, front front and center, front of mind. Correct. But the first thing that I did, the very first thing I did when I got to Dallas in 1984 to start my professional career, because that's where I got trained to do what I did, mm-hmm. on my first moment of day, of time off, I went to Dealey Plaza. Mm, so, 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 you know, and I stood at the grassy knoll and I saw the overpass mm-hmm. and I, and I looked up at the sixth uh, story depository, book depository window. And I just, I stood there transfixed for a, a long while mm-hmm. trying to figure out all of it. And, uh, and the further we get away from it, maybe the less that that's important, but if it had been Tampa, can you imagine? Yes, it would have been, uh, it would have been devastating as it was uh, there, but I think Dallas was a little bigger at the time, and it was a little different atmosphere. But I think uh, the love that was shown to uh, uh, President Kennedy here in Tampa, uh, what a horrible situation that would have been. But, you know, for me what happened was that I started to uh, get involved in researching this early on in my life, and uh, I've read many, many books there's an entire cottage industry of books out there, by the way, that you can read. And um, I started looking at this. One of the things you have to be careful with in discussing this is this is a fascinating layered onion of, of layers and layers and layers and layers, thousands of layers, really. There is so much information out there, so much misinformation out there. So uh, I, I do research. I, I do history research. And uh, you have to be really... Uh, you have to be very strong in looking at your sources and looking at the information that's available because there's a lot of uh, misinformation floating around. I want to read this email that just came in, Joe. It says, hello, I just want to share your words about what happened to your family jarred me. I had a similar experience in my life and never thought to label it that way. Makes sense. Thank you. That's from Alexandra. That was about your experience uh, oh, with your childhood. Very nice. And becoming uh, and realizing You're that. You're welcome, after, Alexandra. After, after yeah. years of thinking that you were a Howden, and realizing that you were yeah. really a, a Carter. That's probably worthy of another show. We could get a genealogist in here. But I think that the great work is being done in the world of ancestry and uh, uh, with genetics. And. Um, what I've discovered is that it's a very common story, actually. I thought I thought I was so unique, and in fact... I would love to do that show with you sometime, Joe, yeah. because I think, again, like you said, that's a common story, more common than we probably care to admit, and uh, and people can benefit from that, from hearing your story, as Alexandra did today. She certainly had a, a personal experience with it. We've got a caller. Let's see if we can go to our caller. Remy 
you're on the air with Down and Dirty. Give us your question or comment. Good morning, gentlemen. Thank you for having me on. Sure. And just wanted to compliment you on this great topic that you that you've brought up. It is something that we should all be paying attention to. Why the government has been telling us they're going to release these specific records, and they've released all but what you know, one or two percent, which is a lot of pages. Our most you know previous president Donald Trump promised to do it. He didn't do it, and claimed that. Um, if he did it, it was going to cause a national security problem, and 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 that just leads me to believe that the the contents that have been redacted are so damning of what the CIA was up to during that time. Remember that the assassination of JFK, and then five years later the assassination of his brother RFK. This all happened during like the heyday of CIA doing sketchy stuff that we now know, like um, MK Ultra. If you look up Project MK Ultra, absolutely founded yes. at what they were up to. But um, great on both of you for bringing this topic up. It is completely bizarre to me that here we are, this many years later, and we still don't know, Remy. And we still don't know. I think we do. I think we do know. And JFK's nephew is running, and a, and a guy just went up to him a month ago who was dressed up as a federal agent with multiple guns, trying to get to him to shoot him. And then they released the guy with, with no bail, or they, they, he bailed out the same day. I mean, and it's just bizarre, bizarre stuff with that family that, that so many people are out to get them. That RFK Jr. can't even run right now without people trying to kill him. And, of course, you don't read about it in the media. Um, but thank you both so much for bringing up this topic. And, and thank you so much for listening this morning and for your call. We certainly appreciate you, Remy. Thank you. So may, may I respond to Remy? I, I want you to respond. Yeah. Please. Yeah, let me just say that the, the way I look at this is uh, if if is there anybody out there who's ever done any kind of therapy or psychotherapy or analysis or anything like that? Uh, basically, what happens is when a person, an individual receives trauma, uh, that trauma gets ingested into their system. And on my analogy, it's like eating bad food. Uh, you eat food that is somehow tainted. Uh, it's unpleasant to discuss, but you're going to have to vomit at some point. You have to do that. And so trauma means that there's two ways to deal with trauma. And the first one is you. it's very helpful to go back and confront it, unearth it, and look at it in the way that you can, and that gives you power over it. And, and you will hear endless people talk about uh, women who have been abused, rape victims, sexual abuse, uh, uh, psychological abuse. It goes on and on. Uh, then the second thing is to live your good life, to now take that and incorporate it into your life. We have not had a chance to do that because we were traumatized by the death of JFK, and we were forced to eat it. And uh, the Warren Commission stated up front that their goal was to determine, their goal was not to find the truth objectively. They stated, now people don't realize this, they stated their goal was to determine that Lee Harvey Oswald was the lone shooter. And so uh, this was never uh, something that we were going to really deal with, right? And we have not dealt with it. And I think that today uh, certain political factions have pumped up very hard this idea that government is evil. It's big government. This was what Ronald Reagan contributed to the conversation, a distrust of government, right? And this would allow them to do things like uh, break unions and, and damage the culture in many different ways. 
Um, well, you know, the only thing you have between you and your community is the government. I mean, you have to be involved in your government. I've been involved before and I know how that works. And so this is, you know, this is what is happening is that now we have this, uh, we live in a world that's uh, uh, almost alien to me in my own country where people are completely think the government is completely whacked and they want don't want to have anything to do with it and they think that anybody that tries to make any effort to change it is is not a good person uh, uh, aka a politician uh, Donald Trump runs on the premise that he's not a politician. And guess what? People eat it up. Why? Because they've been taught to mistrust government. Well, where did that mistrust come from? It started with JFK. I mean, it, there was always mistrust. And don't make, get me wrong. You can go back to 1900 in America and find this. But, um, but it's really, I think, because we, uh, we suffered a great trauma and we never got the truth. We've never healed, Joe. We've, We've never, never healed. healed. And I, I think that that's part and parcel why we are still obsessed with it. Because it's almost like you know, that you told me a lie. You told me a lie. Mm-hmm. And now look what you've done by virtue of telling me a lie. And those of us, I was five years old when it happened. I, listen, you can do some simple math here, y'all. I'm 65 now. I got a lot more behind me than I got ahead of me. But I'm going to be here in 15 years forsaking any calamity. And, and I'm going to be able to be at the point. But, but the, here's, what I, here's what I'm trying to express to everybody that's listening out there. Our country, um, as great as it is, and they'll tell us it's great every time the NFL has a football game because they'll roll out that American flag that's, you know, 50 by 100. And we sing the national anthem at every, at every event everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, oh, by the way, something called the Pledge of Allegiance. Think about that. Everybody knows that one because we had to do it, stand up by our desk every day when we went to school for all those years. You know, when, when, they, when they tell you all these things and then they pull the rug out from under you, it's very unsettling. It's very unsettling. And our country has a history. I believe that a technical term is uh, caca. I believe we have a lot of caca in our history. And this one here with JFK, mm-hmm. when this reveal, when they, whew, when they pull the tarp off and we get to see everything, it's going to set us back. Oh, I- and, if, and if Donald Trump comes out this next fall, God forbid, all of that will be buried and we will never know. Or it'll be burned, destroyed, whatever it is. So I'm, what I'm suggesting to everybody listening is that we, we better be paying close attention to what's going to be happening next November in this country because there's a lot that depends on it. And it's not just the JFK conspiracy. We're going to find out hopefully. But can you imagine when it comes out, Joey? When it comes out and we know now unequivocally what happened, mm-hmm. then everything else is BS, man. Everything else from then on has just been a bunch of... And and if you start to pull that thread, right, and and it comes apart, Katie, bar the door. You have you know in life, one of the wisdoms you learn is that you have to embrace your you have to embrace the darkness and demons. You just have to, uh, because if you don't embrace them, then they will have power over you. And that's that's where we are on this issue is that uh, the. Uh, the assassination has power over us and that's part of the reason it's become a cottage industry and that's part of the reason that there are I mean there are some amazingly wacky uh, conspiracy theories out there that JFK was taken out because he knew the truth about uh, retro-engineered UFOs. I mean, it, this is the this is the world we. Whatever live in. fits the narrative, yeah. they'll try to squeeze it in that yes, box. Yes, and so there's all kinds of stuff out there, but you can get to some decent 
basic truth. I tell you, a great book is the book um, that Tom O'Neill wrote. Tom O'Neill is a great researcher, and he wrote a book called uh, Chaos. Uh, let me see if I can. Chaos. Um, the the um, Charles Manson, uh, the CIA, and the Hidden Sixties. I think is the name of the book. And this is a great book. And by the way, trust me. Tom O'Neill is a, is, a, is a hardcore researcher that gets to the facts. So, uh, but uh, to re- what Remy was talking about is that um, let this, and I hope, Remy, you're listening. Let me give you this. MKUltra was a, a CIA program in which we used a psychologist to develop uh, Manchurian candidates to make people crazy. They used LSD. They, now, this is all facts. This was all brought out in the in the. Uh, uh, Frank Church uh, hearings. This is not something that that Joe King Carter, when he woke up this morning, said, yeah, I think I'm going to lay this on the people. <laughs> no, no, no. There. It's a significant moment. Of course. We, our CIA was, uh, as as Remy uh, alluded to, was very uh, covert, uh, all, doing all kinds of stuff. It was a new agency, relatively speaking, and it was stretching its muscles. And so they created this thing called MK Ultra. Well, let this soak in for a moment. MK Ultra is one of the chief architects was a guy named Dr. Jolly West. And his his middle name was Jolian. And so he got he received the nickname Jolly. He was nothing he was everything but Jolly, by the way. Uh Dr. Jolly West was the, really this kind of Mengele character in which he was experimenting on people constantly. He was experimenting on uh, uh, mentally ill people, uh, patients in hospitals. When asked about this among his colleagues, he said, who's going to know what we're doing to them? Because they're already crazy. So they were giving people drugs against their knowledge, LSD, which, by the way, if you don't know you've taken LSD, uh, you are going to have a probably a fracturing. A with horrific reality. experience. Yeah, right. And so um, uh, he was doing all these crazy things. All right. Now, real quick, Jack Ruby is convicted for murdering Oswald. He's in a Dallas prison. Um, the uh, conviction is uh, originally it was said that he was a, uh, uh, a patriot who uh, was so overwrought with emotion and was so concerned that Jackie Kennedy. So bereft. Would, yes, that Jackie Kennedy would have to endure the trial that he took the short way out and he killed Oswald. Then when he goes to trial, his attorney, a guy named Smith, uh, uh, uses the defense that he had epilepsy. And ep- epilepsy was the reason he killed uh, um, Oswald. Then um, uh, he, his attorney decides, of course, they decide to um, uh, uh, retry the trial. And uh, who inserts himself into this? Jolly Jolly West. Jolly West. Dr. Jolly West makes an initial visit to Jack Ruby in his prison. This is all documented now, by the way. He makes a uh, uh, seven-hour, he's with uh, Jack Ruby for seven hours. When he relieves Jack Ruby's cell, he says he's had a break with uh, reality, and he's psychotic. And um, Jolly West now treats Jack Ruby for the next six months. Um... Jolly West, uh, the Warren Commission, wants to interview Jack Ruby. Uh, they won't remove him from the prison. And uh, Jolly West uh, is uh, recommending that he not be interviewed by the Warren Commission. The Warren Commission s- decides to go to him, to go to Ruby. So um, Chief Justice Earl Warren, uh, a, a congressman named Gerald Ford, and an investigator named Arlen Specter. 
uh, all go to Ruby's cell, in which Ruby is basically babbling. And they can't use anything that they receive there, right? Uh, of course, All Inspector is the person who develops uh, what's called the magic bullet theory. Um, Preposterous on, on its face. Yes, exactly. So you begin to see here uh, that there is a relationship uh, by, and by the way, the sort of Jolly West is working uh, for Richard Helm in the CIA. So you begin to see, you see what's happening here? So, you know, probably in the best situation, if I had to take a guess today, if someone cornered me and said, what do you think happened? I would have to say that there was a, I believe, uh, truly in my heart, that there was a, um, a, a mashing together of the mafia because the CIA had contracted the mafia to uh, be assassins on, in Castro. It's called Operation Mongoose. Again, this is fact. All, all fact I'm giving you. Um, it turns out that in the early days of the CIA, um, assassins, uh, they weren't assassinating as much as they might have later. And so uh, the, it was They easier. needed something to do. You can contract. Why not yeah. contract the mafia? They're already pros at this, correct? So, um, so now let's think about taking out Jack Kennedy. Uh, you're going to ask an American who's a CIA agent, but he's still an American, to kill the president of the United States? That's, uh, that's a tough one. It's a big ask. Yes. But for a certain price, someone from the mafia can supply you with a, a shooter easily. And so what I believe what we're seeing here is there, uh, the, you know, the primary groups that are discussed is uh, who might have been involved in a conspiracy are the um, LBJ. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's so, mm -hmm. by the way. Uh, the military industrial complex, as much as I have my criticisms of that agency or that group of uh, industries, I don't think there's any evidence there. Um, but there is evidence that the mob, the organized syndicate of America, and the CIA both were together, working together to a... Oliver Stone tried to tried to connect those dots for us. Yes. If, if I can interrupt you for just a second, we're, we're getting close to uh, about 10 minutes to go in the show. If you'd like to join us, this would be a great time to do so. We do have a caller, uh, Fran in Largo, that's been standing by for just a minute. So let's get her question. She's got a question for us. Fran? Well, uh, it's not really a question, but uh, boy, with this uh, JFK thing, uh, we really can go down some rabbit holes over this thing, can't we? Yes, we can. Uh, um, back in, I guess it was the, the mid-70s, I worked in a restaurant with, uh, with uh, a, a lady, and she told me that uh, back uh, when it happened uh, that night, her and her friends, they were just like little teeny boppers, really. They got on a Ouija board and asked the Ouija board who killed JFK, and it said Jackie did. So, I mean, that's, that's uh, how crazy these theories can get. That's not really why I called, though. I just want to add maybe a little bit of hope to the program because, you know, this, this does get kind of depressing after a while. I know. But, we do know yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, on Tuesday, on, a, on a, this past Tuesday show, uh, Andrew Warren was a guest. And, boy, he, I was so impressed by him. Uh, don't roll your eyes at this, but uh, at this phrase, but this is truly to me an honest politician who has no agenda but to work for the people. I just wanted to like give a shout out 
to Andrew Warren. I think he's just going to keep going. He's going to fight this thing that was done to him by Ron DeSantis. And I think he's just, uh, as time goes by, I think he's just going to keep getting better and better. That's what I really wanted to say. I should have called up the Tuesday show, but I didn't get a chance to. Thank you, so, Fran. Wow. We, we promised to end the show today on a, on a, on a lighter. So, in fact, we, we'll start to, the, if the plane, you see the plane in a nosedive now, we'll start to pull back <laughs> on the stick. And, <laughs> okay. and we'll bring it out of that nosedive. But thank you for your call. And Those we are, are great points, Fran. We are big Andrew Warren fans here. So yeah. thank you again he, for bringing he, that up. He's great. He is a great guy. And I, I just wish him all the luck in the world okay our country needs someone like that really badly amen badly amen thank you sweetie we appreciate your call by the way to fran to fran's point uh it i i guess for some people they would say in this world of uh uh uh, racial issues and bigotry and warfare in the middle east and israel and uh abuse authoritarianism and fascism and and patriarchy dictatorship and on and on uh, why would JF, why would a 60-year-old issue be an issue? Well, I think I've pointed out why I think it's an issue. But to Fran's point, I do think that it is possible to resolve this. I do think that uh, the tr- I believe, uh, as the kind of person I am, that the truth always prevails. That ultimately, ultimately, history will always bear out the truth. And... Um, so I think that there is a chance that we can we will eventually get to the bottom of this. It might take a very long time, but uh, I think that we will eventually find out what's happening. We've what got happened. another caller. We're going to take that call in just a second. But the the uh, documentary that I've been watching that's still ava- that's available now. It's on the History Channel app. So if you'll go to the History Channel app and and look for it, it's it's a nine segment, three over three night series, very in depth, some terrific information that you didn't get. Uh, you might not have known. Even the even the most uh, studied uh, JFK conspiracy uh, assassination expert, you you might learn something here because there's so much. It's dense with information. The director and creator of this documentary is 27 years old. Wow! So that is impressive on its face because that means that we got a whole another generation of people that are trying to. To resolve this issue for us as well. Mike in Sarasota, we're coming to you now. Mike, you've got a question for Joe. I do. I have actually two questions for him, uh, and, and it's relevant to what he's been talking about. Uh, the first one is, um, and I'm just going to repeat what I have, I think I heard in the Oliver Stone documentary. Apparently, um, many of the witnesses, something like you know, 40 or 50 of the witnesses who are involved in the assassination, dying in, 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 in you know, uh, astonishing numbers shortly after shortly after the the assassination. That's correct. I asked him to comment on that. But the other thing I would like to point out, and I heard this again from a friend, and I don't know if it's true. I'd like I'd like to ask him to verify it. Uh, Woody Harrelson's father was apparently a mafioso, and this gets to the mafia CIA connection. Yes, and he was kind of it was a hitman for the mafia or something like that. And apparently, he was one of the people who was picked up on the grassy knoll immediately after the assassination. Is that true? I'm just calling to verify and see if um, well, knows about that. Yes, it thank is. Thank you, Mike. We're going to go ahead and, and answer your question, take you off the air. But thank you so much for listening today and for your call. Thank you. Yes. So, uh, number one, Woody Harrelson's father was, in fact, a uh, worked as a hitman for the uh, uh, for the syndicate. Um, and uh, that's that much is true, and we know that to be true. Uh, 
There is a famous photograph uh, called the Three Hobos photograph that was taken uh, in the uh, by a, a reporter, um, a newspaper a photo journalist, uh, in the rail yard right behind the Grassy Knoll. The Grassy Knoll backs up on a major railroad uh, transitional area where trains are uh, moved back and forth. And uh, these three hobos uh, have been a point of contention for many years. Uh, if you uh, if you look at the first hobo in the photo, uh, it's it's almost impossible to deny that that's uh, not Harrelson. It looks exactly like Harrelson. Number one, number two, the third man in the hobo is often um, uh, credited as being. Um, uh, Richard Nixon's uh, operative who was uh, responsible for Watergate. Um, um, his name is not coming to me. Oh, uh, e. Howard Hunt. E. Howard Hunt. Um, all of them, by the way, dressed like hobos. Uh, so were they hobos? I don't no, know. Probably not. Uh, yeah, may, uh, who knows? But um, yeah, there is. Uh, what's interesting, Mike, about that is that if you, I believe the last time I looked at this figure, there is a total of, I think, I think 200 and uh, I think it's 256 people that have been given credit as the other shooter or or the other shooters involved in this. So here's the problem in that rabbit hole that Fran was referring to is that there is so many layers here, but there are there are there are entire books uh, written just about um, the the potential uh, alternative shooters, and I think there might even be a book about. Harrelson himself. Uh, so, yes, you are correct about that. Stay stay tuned. Uh, stay in the moment. Read as much as you can. Find this documentary. If you're interested in this in the History Channel, History Channel app, uh, and, and stream this and stream this content, it's really enlightening. As we come to the close of another very fascinating and, and interesting uh, Down and Dirty segment, Joe, let's, let's uh, take uh, Fran's words uh, to heart and end it on a positive note. Give me something good to to take home with me this weekend so that I can start my week next week on a on a brighter note. Uh, you know, I think that we are as a as a whole society, I, my sense of this is uh that that we are making changes and and those changes are a lot of them are positive. I know it doesn't seem that way. I know it sounds in the media like, oh no, we have this and that and but I think that uh, there's a lot of waking up happening right now. And that waking up, I think, is very positive. And I see, uh, just as every generation our age has, I see hope in the younger generations that are uh, uh, coming up behind us. And I think that uh, the truth is always going to be important. I want to thank you personally, my brother, for getting out of bed <laughs> early this morning and coming in and sitting in with me. Yeah, it's, been um, it, it's been great fun. And hopefully we'll get a chance to do more of this. This has been wonderful. Skip. Thank you so much for uh, for being our board op today and working our board. DJ Spaceship for taking our phone calls, all of our callers, all of our texters, all of our emailers. Thank you. We certainly appreciate you. Again, my name is Mario Nunez. You've been listening to Down and Dirty. Have a wonderful weekend. Listen, leftovers are calling your name. Go get them, y'all. We love you and thank you. Peace, everyone. Hey!